All right. Well, welcome to our third week of the whole story. This is our last week in Genesis. Next week we move into Exodus and the plagues and the law and the temple and all these other things. But, but the last part of Genesis, we really need to look at um, the fall. Uh, not the season, but the fall of man. What went wrong where Adam and Eve took a wrong turn and broke harmony. And, and that breaking, that sin has dark meaning for us even today. But there is also a healer who comes. And we're going to learn about all that together. And that has to do with your relationships. It has to do with your singleness. It has to do with your life as a middle schooler, your life as a high schooler, uh, your life as a college kid, and and so forth. So let's look at it now. Um, Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. But before we get there, let's kind of set the scene, okay? In the beginning, there was God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the perfect harmony together. And out of this perfect harmony, out of this perfect union, came the world, came man, came you. And this is so important for you guys to understand, which is why we've hit on it the last two weeks. The world was not created out of loneliness. God wasn't lonely. The world was not created out of a quest for power. God didn't need something to rule over. He already had that. The world was created out of, the world comes from, this perfect harmony. And God wanted you to join in it. That's why he made you. We say all the time in church, God loves you, right? And we mean that, but do you, do you understand what that means? Like, Have you ever thought about the fact that God likes you? Have you ever thought about the fact that God thinks you're cool? God thinks, God thinks you're worth talking to. And much more than that. God created Adam and Eve so that they could join in God's harmony. Join this perfect dance. And that's the invitation that's open to you tonight. Look at me. I'm not asking you to change your life and to, and to stop doing bad and start doing good. I'm asking you to join the dance. Join this perfect harmony with God. Stop running. Stop trying to peel the scales off your own life. Stop trying to do it on your own. Come back to God. Come back to the perfect harmony that you were made for. Adam and Eve lived in perfect harmony with God at first. And that's what was meant for you. Adam was made in the image of God. He, so, since he was reflected in the image of God, since he was made in the image of God, he reflected God's qualities and represented God to the world. That's what it means to be made in the image of. He reflected God's qualities and represented God to the world. Adam brought life and order to the garden because... God brought life and order to the world. Do you see how they're already in this harmony together? Adam imitating his father in heaven. Just like a son does with his dad. Just like a son does what his dad does. It's this harmony. This is where it comes from. And Eve was his faithful, strong helper. Also made in God's image. Equal, listen, equal in value, different in function. Women and men are the exact same value in God's eyes. But their actions are different. And that's okay. 
It's actually better than okay. That's how God designed it. And this perfect harmony, this perfect garden was built on rules and order. And this order brought life. And the foundation of it all was one rule in particular. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. When Adam and Eve broke this rule, they broke the world. Because they shattered the harmony that this world was built out of. But God is going to put it right. And we'll get there soon. But for now, we need to look at what went wrong. So we're going to look at three things tonight, okay? Satan's plan, the results of Satan's plan, and the end of Satan's plan. So let's look at the first thing, Satan's plan. Go back to Genesis 2.17. God says, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You need to circle that if you're doing notes. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now those of you who are circling and and doing that thing, you need to write rule next to that. It's important to understand, so to watch this, it's important to understand that this was the perfect Garden of Eden. Right? And in this perfect garden, there was no sin There was no suffering, there was no pain, there was no sadness, but there were rules. When God created the world, He placed Adam in the garden, in the parameters of the garden. Adam was created for one wife, both in physical form he was created for one other person, and in spirit he was created for one person. Adam was held on the earth by the law of gravity. You don't see Adam floating around while he's working in the garden, right? Adam was put in the garden to work according to God's loving instructions to do as God commanded. Adam was told not to eat from the fruit of one specific tree. In short, now follow this, in short, in the perfect society, in the Garden of Eden, where man was closer to God than he's ever been before, where mankind was happier than he has ever been, there were rules. The time where man and woman were the most happy The most free involved boundaries. Boundaries are rooted in love, in wisdom, in protection, in safety. The world today gives the message of no boundaries. There shouldn't be any boundaries. Be so careful, guys. We talked about this two weeks ago. Don't let what you watch... It's okay to watch TV. It's not a... It's not a demon box. That's okay. It's all right to watch television. But don't, look, look at me, don't let that determine how you see the world. Because that's the message of no boundaries and be so careful. Because that's exactly what Satan offered to Adam and Eve. It's the exact same offer and he still offers it today. Let me show you where he offers this. This is where it all started. 
Look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. The serpent, that's Satan, the serpent said to Eve, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from the tree, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Be like God. What does that mean? Knowing, you hear this all the time, right? Knowing good and evil. What does that mean? It's Satan's way of saying, you'll be like God. You'll know enough about good and evil where you can make your own rules. Just like he does. You'll be like God. And if you can make your own rules, you don't need his. Satan said, ignore his rule, throw off his boundary, and run into true freedom. Satan says, boundaries aren't love. God doesn't love you. He gave you a boundary. You should be able to do whatever you want. You should be able to make your own rules. You should be able to make your own rules with the person you're dating in terms of how far you can go or where the line is. You should be able to make your own rules about that. You should be able to marry whoever you'd like to marry. You should be able to choose your own gender. This is where this, this doesn't just come out of nowhere. Coincidentally, do you know the suicide rate, the attempted suicide rate amongst transgender people in 2015? 41%. 41% of the people polled by USA Today in 2015 who were transgender had attempted suicide. That's almost half. The divorce rate among same-sex marriage is so high. This promise of love and finally being able to live the way they want to live ends with their souls being ripped in half when the person they love leaves. They think they're getting true freedom. This isn't one of those where I pound the Bible. You've got to understand the deeper reasoning behind why this is not a good thing. They think they're getting true freedom by ignoring God's design, by ignoring God's given boundaries, and it only leads to disaster because that's what Satan does. God's boundaries are hateful. God's boundaries are outdated. God's law is unnecessary. This is what he tries to pull. But that's not what the Christian believes about God's law. Here's one of the ways you can tell if you're a Christian or not. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. A little trivia there for you, Bryce Duke. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And the whole chapter is about the safety, the beauty, and the joy that comes from following God's law. Listen to Psalm 119, 34 to 35. Give me understanding, Lord, so that I can obey your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me, do you realize, make me walk in the path of your commandments because I love them. He loves God's law. And we've talked about this before, and we will talk about it again. A heart that is close to God doesn't just feel it. A heart close to God looks at God's law and says, I want that. 
It won't, I know it won't always be easy to follow, but I know it will always be worth it. Is that the kind of thing that goes through your heart? Or do you just continue to crave the next trip, the next camp, so that you can be back here again? It's good to be up here, but don't chase up here. That's the heart of a true Christian. And it's the first thing that Satan goes for in the garden. The law of God. Ignore it. The second part of Satan's plan is he takes away your seriousness. What do I mean? Well, let's look. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Slow down and look at what Satan is doing here. Because this is exactly what happens today. Did he really say, come on. Did he really say, don't take it so seriously. Fellas, it's just, a, it's just a video of a girl on your phone. It's not going to hurt anybody. Don't take it so seriously. It's just a TV show, everyone. You just, Chill out, okay? Don't take it so seriously. It's just Snapchat, guys. Relax. Don't take it so seriously. Or, you two love each other. And you're students. You're, this is where you're supposed to make the mistakes. Get it all out now, so that when you're older, you'll do a better job. It's okay to mess up here. This is the lie our culture tells us. And can you just tell how un- calling it messing up? Can you see and feel how unserious that is? Satan wants you to lose your seriousness. And we do this all the time. Example number one. How a small group? Well, we didn't really dig, in any, dig into anything, but I mean, we had some funny conversations, so it was a good night. That is exactly what Satan wants. We had some funny conversations. It was good. High schoolers who set the example, Bible study leaders, adults, myself included, ask yourself, is your small group a small group where if Satan poked his head in, he would come back out and say, I'm not worried about them. Now, am I asking you to be miserable all the time? No. No laughing ever. I'm not going to like... I hear laughing, and like, I'm not going like, to try to knock you. You see what I'm saying? But it can so easily become about that. It can so easily become, Ryan, chill out, bro, okay? I get that it's your job or whatever, but it's Wednesday night. I've got school tomorrow. I need you to, I need you to dial it back. It's Sunday night. I've got school tomorrow. I'm not even totally all here. Let's just get through the lesson and get out. Satan's lie of don't take it so seriously. That's the same trick. Don't miss that this is connected. This is why Genesis is so important. This is where it all begins. Right here in verse 1, in the garden. And it's the same trick he's pulling today. The exact same. Don't take it so seriously. So there's Satan's plan. And Adam and Eve fall hard for it. And they eat the fruit of the tree. Now let's look at the fallout, the results of Satan's plan. Number one, we hide from God now. 
we hide from God. Look at Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. 8 through 10. This is after they've sinned, okay? And Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. The first result of Satan's plan is now we are hiders. You, church kid, non-church kid, me, we are hiders from God by nature. It's more natural to hide from God. We like it, hiding from God. Notice, what's God doing in verse 8? He is walking in the cool of the day. What does God say to them in verse 9? Where are you? Notice God is not coming, crashing into the ground in a lightning bolt of anger. He's not thrashing through the trees, screaming for Adam and Eve to come punish them. Instead, He comes with His words. Adam, Eve, where are you? His words, the same tools that he used to bring Adam and Eve to life are now the same tools he's using to bring them back. His words, and they're not harsh. Where are you? Now remember, God only asks a question when he's trying to show you something. He's not seeking information. Like he knows where they are, okay? Can we all? He know, he's God. He's got it. He knows where they are. Him asking, where are you, is not his way of saying literally, where are you, I don't see you. By asking, where are you, it's God's way of saying, why aren't you here with me? Remember, they were in perfect harmony with God before. Adam and Eve glorified and worshipped God. Adam did it through his work. Eve did it through her joyful help of Adam. They were in perfect harmony with God, and now that harmony has stopped. And God knows that. And so He's asking, why aren't you here anymore? Some of you have broken harmony with God. Some of you have never been in harmony with God. And some of you have just messed up big time. Hear me. He is calling. Where are you? He's not, he's not pulling out a switch to whip you with, right? I just gained some of you with that and I just lost some of you with that. He's not trying to come after you in that way. But we think that's what he's doing. We think he's ready. He's sharpening the axe, waiting. So we hide from him. But hear me. He is waiting to sit and talk with you. Where are you? Maybe you should go to him tonight. Do you know what he asked you? For some of you, it's been a long time. Do you know what he asked the day you stopped talking to him? Where are you? And do you know after all this time the question that he asks you now? Where are you? God doesn't change. His mercies are new 
every morning and he calls you even now. But we hide like Adam and Eve instead. Look at me. What a tragedy it is, even at your age, that when you screw up big time, like when you really went there, the last place that you want to come is here. We are hiders by nature. This is why Adam and Eve is so important. This is why we've spent three weeks on these two people who don't even talk, right? This is why we've spent so long here. Because you have inherited, I have inherited, not just their physical humanity, but their spiritual nature as well. Their spiritual nature was supposed to be close to God. And then you would have inherited that. But they sinned, and now they hide from God, and you inherit that. Romans 5.12 is so clear. Our hearts are so much more comfortable hiding from God. God forbid my parents find out about this. Because if they find out, they'll freak out. And yes, that's where getting better starts. But I don't want to go through the initial, the initial speed bump of that starting. No way. I'll stay back here. You're hiding. That's what makes the words of Jesus in John chapter 6 so wonderful. Listen to John 6 verse 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. What a sweet thing that is. No one can come to me. There's there's the hiding, right? No one can come to me. It's not in your nature to come to God anymore. You would rather hide. But there's good news in there. God doesn't just leave you out there. He draws you in. The evil sinner, he reaches around and turns your head and pulls you towards him. And he can use anything to do it. Like a Wednesday night. Some of you are far from God and you're saying, I wish He would show up. I wish He would tell me that He loved me. And here you are. He does love you. Where are you? The words in the garden are the same call today to the sinner. Where are you? He is drawing you in, away from Adam, towards Jesus. The second and final result of Satan's plan is a very important one, the destruction of the family. Look at Genesis 3.12, the destruction of the family. Adam said, this woman that you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. This woman that you put me here with. Guys, Adam, Adam loved Eve. In Genesis chapter 2, I don't know if it's in your Bible, um, but it's in mine. That's not like a show-offy thing, I'm just telling you. Genesis chapter 2, thanks. Genesis chapter 2, um, let me show you this. And we've talked about this before a long time ago. I think it was actually my first sermon here. Genesis 2, um, verse 24 
verse 23 and 24. If you look at it, Genesis 2, 23 to 24, in some of your Bibles, it's Adam speaking about Eve, and it's got like its own block, or it's in italics. And some of you who don't have it, look around. Do you know why that is? Usually it's because they quote the Old Testament, but this is literally the first of the Old Testament. There's nothing to quote yet. Do you know why Adam's words about Eve are in blocks like that or in italics? It's because in Hebrew, it's music. He is singing to Eve. He has just seen her. Can you picture this, fellas? I know it's not like your thing anymore, and it's not mine either, but can you, can you imagine rejoicing in another person like this to where you are so happy the only way you can get this out regular words just don't cut it that's how Adam saw Eve and now he calls her this woman that you brought to me just a chapter ago he loved Eve so much that he sang to her but now Satan and sin have ripped the world's first family apart and that curse is alive and well today let me ask you a question What's life like inside your house? You guys are good kids. Are you as nice to your parents as you are to the adults here? Are your parents as, as patient with you as they are with other students here? And you say, well, no, because that's just the way it is. No, 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 no. Why is that the way it is, though? You are under the curse of Eden. Remember last week, your family is in Eden. It's a place that you have been put to bring life and order. And your Eden is being cursed by sin. But this is not the end of the whole story, thank God. We've seen Satan's plan. We've seen the results of Satan's plan. And now lastly, let's look at the end of Satan's plan. Satan's plan is ended by two things. God's mercy and Jesus Christ. Genesis 3, verse 21. Genesis 3, verse 21. And the Lord God... Now this is after they've sinned. The Lord has come down and punished them. So let's get in here. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Okay, why though? They had, they, remember, they, they dressed themselves in the leaves and he replaces the leaves with tougher, thicker animal skin. Why though? What does it mean? The world is no longer perfect. Adam and Eve's sin has wrecked it, which means the environment is no longer perfect. Adam and Eve will need protection from the harsh climates and the difficult storms. And God gives them protection in mercy instead of punishing them even more. Follow this. God kills two animals and uses their sacrifice to shelter Adam and Eve even though they don't deserve shelter. The first example of sacrifice bringing safety. Tell me, where else in the Bible, thousands of years later, does God use sacrifice to save His people instead of punishing them? The cross. This is God's, this is God's hint. It's coming. He's coming. This hint towards the sacrificial system 
in Exodus, which we'll learn about in the next couple of weeks, and the sacrifice that is to come, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in Genesis 3. Look at Genesis 3, verse 15, and then we'll be done. God is speaking to Satan about the one who is to come. Look at the middle of Genesis 3.15. Satan, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. So you've got to think about what this looks like. Remember, there are no shoes. There's no footlocker, right? Not that we're aware of. The one who is to come is going to step. Think about stepping on the head of a poisonous snake to crush it. But think about that. If you step on the head of a poisonous snake, killing it, its fangs go where? Straight up into your foot. And its poison will soak immediately into your body. It's God's way of saying the one who is to come, the one who will heal the curse and bring harmony back into the garden, bring harmony into your family, bring bring harmony into your relationships, bring harmony into all of your Edens, he will have to die. But he will crush you doing it. And all your curse and all your plan will be undone. For the next few weeks in the series, we'll look towards Jesus and will wait for him. But I wonder if you need him tonight. You've broken your family. You've wandered away for a long time. You've failed in other Edens in your life just like Adam has. Or you've never known Jesus and what he did for you. I have good news. His sacrifice covers you.